So our scene opens. It's completely dark. And at the bottom of the screen, there's a title card that says five years later. And then the light starts to sort of fade into the darkness. And we are on a vast ocean. And it's very turbulent. There's not a like thunder and lightning storm, but it's definitely a heavy downpour of rain. And we swoop along the waves that are cresting and crashing in this giant ocean. And we see a ship. And it is a clipper, two-masted clipper, made of very dark wood. And we move right up on it. And as we crest it, we see a figure that we've seen before. It's about seven feet tall. It's made of metal, basically humanoid shape with no distinctive features other than this one has two black gouge marks across where its face should be, making it look as if it's somewhat squinty. The rain is pouring down on the ship, and we can just see in the first flash of lightning of the oncoming worsening storm the words, Dark Discovery. The mage hound turns its eyeless gaze towards the bridge, and we move inside there where we find Everin, Cade, and Lander. It's been five years since we've seen you. What do you guys look like now? Lander is now 17 years old, so as you might imagine, he's becoming close to an adult. He's grown quite a bit, probably uh, about a foot or two since he was uh, 13 years old. And he's let his uh, hair grow out, becoming a little bit more ragged looking throughout the years. Okay. And what about um, Everin? Everin's changed quite a bit, actually. He went from a uh, old elf that looked like he was in his 20s to now an elf that is much more... Uh, wrinkled in the face he's looks like he's a lot older noticeably for an elf so it's been a hard five years for you it's been a hard five years uh noticeably because he's missing an arm now it's cut off between the elbow and the shoulder but that doesn't stop him because he has developed a uh, spectral arm that uh, replaces his physical arm because of the dark iron poison that he had where's uh Leather vest that passes for armor, plenty of uh, pockets and trinkets and things, uh, leather pants, leather boots, uh, in browns and blues, uh, probably stitching wise. And he's got a short sword that he keeps uh, on his hip, but he doesn't use it. And a shield that's a small shield, it's more like a buckler, really. And when he's not using it, it's kind of between his shoulder blades. Okay. And what about the captain of our ship? In the five years since he was last seen Cade, he now walks with more bounce in his step, happy to be back out on the ocean behind the wheel of a ship. His coat has a few more scratches in it, a few more sewn marks, a couple holes, but it's still respectable, the kind you might see a uh, ship's captain wear. His red, and, his red and blue sash, formerly the colors of the, war, of the albatross, have now been replaced with a red and black one, which are the colors of the Dark Discovery. Okay, what are you guys talking about on the bridge as you are waiting as your ship bobs up and down in the ever-worsening storm? Are we seriously eating this again? What's wrong with it? I think it's pretty good. We had it the last three days in a row. You can't cook a decent meal, so this is all you make. Why are you two arguing about dinner? Can't you get us out of this storm, nub? Hey, listen here, Captain Stubby over there with one arm. 
this is what the ocean does. It rocks back and forth. You just go with it. I get that, but we're in a storm. God knows what's going out on deck. It's raining out there. It's fine. And we have more pressing matters, like seaweed bread again for dinner. It's high in fiber. It keeps you regular. It's important out on the ocean. And half-baked clams. My God, Captain. They were good the first month we had them. But now I think we're just running low on rations. If it bugs you that much, Lander, next time we get into port, I will trade for something. But it's going to have to wait until then. <sighs> okay, yeah, you might be right, Lander. The the uh, stock barrel is, you know, getting pretty low. I mean, we haven't made some coin in a while. wonder why that would be. Everin. Um you know what? You cook next time, Lander. You know what? That's a deal. I will do my best. All right, so speaking of jobs, I know I haven't got one in a while, but we're waiting on your contact. What's his name? Ulfgar? Ulfgar Longbeard. You know, time is somewhat immaterial to them. He'll be along, you know, sometime, I think. I hope he comes soon. I miss Ulfgar. Well, Lander, if you're not so happy with this meal, why don't you go outside to the deck and see if you can spot him? Hopefully, he should be here soon. Yeah, maybe he's got presents, like food, like real food. All right, so we are going to go back out of the bridge. We're now back on the deck of the ship, and our iron metal friend is now walking towards the bridge. On the left side of the ship, there is like a small stairwell that goes up to where the bridge is and looks over the deck. But as it gets closer to the stairwell, there's a noise to its right. So it turns. Again, its face is eyeless, but it seems to use it to, to see things. And there's a large cage that has been affixed to the side of the ship. And there are two smaller ones beside of it. The magehound turns and walks closer to these cages and sees that the cage of the door of this cage is open. And it's creaking slightly as he walks closer. All right, Cranthon, so what do you want to do here? I look at the cages, and I yell out for the captain, Thorn Gage! So there's a, what sounds like a crash of thunder, and you're not quite sure, almost sounded like there was a voice mixed in, but you're not sure. And it's at that moment that the cargo that was inside of the cage bursts out, and a 12-foot-tall hybrid between a bear and an owl. So the owlbear lets out a screech that turns into a growl as it raises up on its hind legs and its uh, its arms with the, the wings underneath them come out and try to wrap around you. And it's going to try to basically bite at your neck with its beak, bring both claws around, and almost get you in, in like an owlbear hug. That was a lot of dice. <laughs> that I was he, a lot of I, dice. I hope he doesn't get stuck under those dice one day. <laughs> be buried. So, yeah, so the owlbear, it, like, chomps down with its beak hard on your neck, but your neck doesn't give it all. Its two front claws wrap around, and there's this awful screeching, scraping sound like nails on chalkboard as its claws pull up your back, apparently with no effect. Okay, so I'm just going to try to overpower this thing and get it back in its cage. Okay, so you're just going to try to muscle it back? Yep. All right, that will be a strength, basically a strength versus strength check. What'd you get? 11. Go ahead and actually make a dexterity saving throw. 10. Okay, so you are stronger than this owlbear, 
Unfortunately, it has toe claws and it's able to dig into the ship and your metal feet don't have as much purchase and you actually start sliding backwards and it starts pushing you along and you're getting closer and closer to the side railing. So there's definitely a chance that you could get pushed overboard. All right. All right. So now it's pushing me and I'm just sliding across the It's going to attack you again. Uh, It does get multiple attacks. That's why I'm on so many dice. Once again, its beak tries to hit your neck. It's claws are ripping at your back but it doesn't seem to actually be doing anything but you are losing ground again back to your turn all right i am just going to start punching this thing in the face while i drive it back towards its cage (laughs) okay you guys up in the bridge give me um give me perception checks with disadvantage except for lander because you were the one he told to go look right so to see if you might notice anything that's going on outside Kranith, you can go ahead and roll your attacks even with disadvantage, I rolled two ones. <laughs> you go blind. But wh- which one are you taking? Um, I'll take the red one. Okay. <laughs> I have a 25. So you're literally going to punch it. So, it's very uh, Hulk-esque. Right in its beak. All right. <laughs> so, so, so you fall off, and you, <laughs> you punch the owlbear. Square in the side of the head, and this knocks it backwards like a turtle. It's actually on the <laughs> ground for a second with all four feet up in the air, kind of going, Woo, ah, as it's trying to wrestle back to its top. So I know you failed the perception check yeah, it, badly, which is a bummer because I had an idea. I got a six. All right, and Lander? What, what about a uh, four? Minus one. <laughs> so, how, how does that work? Does so that let's go, go back you to your beat conversation. double ones. Well, you're talking your conversation. You guys are talking about seaweed bread. <laughs> He's still stuck on that so half-baked I, clams. I go outside. I go outside. I imagine there's like a little uh, port view on the door, like a little window. And like I turn around before even really registering what's going on. Like they're like fighting back and forth. I turn around and I say, and another thing, do we have any more fresh water? Did you put the buckets out to collect the rainwater? Oh, my God. That's genius. I knew you were a captain for a reason. <laughs> kind of puffs the color of his coat a little bit, and that's why they call me captain. All right, back to the buckets. Are they out or not? <sighs> Let me go check. All right, so, Lander, you you open the door <laughs> and start to come out, and it still doesn't quite register. Because, one, it's, I mean, it's dark and it's rainy. You're having to hold on to the railing, and there's just movement on the ship. And, you know, you know that Cranthon's out there. And then the, it was actually the sound that finally hits you with the open door, that screeching sound that you remember quite well from when you managed to get the owlbear into the cage the first time, which was the job you were hired to do. So you clearly see that the owlbear has escaped and that Cranith is about to murder it. <laughs> <laughs> I turn back. I'm like, uh, Captain, 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 get out of here. <laughs> so the owlbear scrambles over, gets on top of its feet, and it's actually going to do almost like the, a dog on linoleum, just, and it's going to run towards Lander. Oh, God. So you can roll initiative and jump into the order here. A 16. Okay, so you're going to go in front of it, then it's going to go, and then uh, Crantham. At the sound of my uh, apprentice, loosely, screaming for the captain to help, I will get up and, I guess, quickly but confidently walk over to the door and open it, and I'll still be you know, a little ways behind him. So you see a charging owlbear rushing towards Lander. Can I try to grab it as it goes by me? Yeah, that's what you want to do on your turn. All right, so it's going to be, uh, well, it's a, a deck saving throw, essentially, is what I'll call it. So roll a deck saving throw. 
I got a 15. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So what does that look like? You reach out and grab something before it gets too close to land. So first I just punch it in the beak and it goes back on its back and it managed to right itself and it gets on all fours and it starts to charge towards Lander. And so when it does that, as it runs by me, I just kind of grab it in a headlock and start squeezing it. And I'm still trying to wrestle it towards the cage. Okay, so you, you get in a headlock, and much like before, though, it's got claws, and it's digging into the deck, and your metal feet are flat. So you're you're going with it as it's continuing to go towards something. You're slowing it down, you've got it in a solid hold, and I'll let you do subdual damage, like basically like a regular headlock each round. And you, you, I mean, you clocked the crap out of it a minute ago anyway, so it's, it's pretty well hurt, uh, but it's not quite out yet. Well, I'm trying to stop its movement, like, so... Okay. okay. I, I know what I'll do on my turn. Okay. So, Lander, you're up. See this owlbear somewhat charging. At... But you see Cranthon now have it in the headlock, and they're both charging towards you. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm going to cast Witch Bolt at the owlbear at a second level uh, spell. Okay. I will absorb it. <laughs> I rolled a nat 20. Okay. Um, Plus six. I rolled a 26. <laughs> Choose high or low? I will go high. What was your? What does it look like? It looks like an arc of lightning between my hand and the creature, and it stays connected because every round I can continue to do damage without making an attack roll. All right. So your arc is going straight towards the owlbear, and it almost gets pulled over and actually makes contact with Cranthon, and then it disappears. He has absorbed your spell. Okay. Even with a critical? Even with a critical. So the owlbear is going to try to buck Cranthon off of you, uh, off of him, so that he can get towards to Lander once again. So basically we're going to do a strength versus strength roll. You could do a dex if you want, but that would not be very smart. Twelve. The owlbear launches up again on its back feet, and you ride it into the air. And it essentially suplexes you <laughs> as it goes backwards, but you manage to hold on. So now it's on its back. You're basically kind of like on your butt, and you've still got it in the hold. So on your turn, you can just keep squeezing, keep doing damage. It seems to be having an effect. It seems to be getting a little bit weaker. Uh, but you can, I mean, you can do whatever you want on your turn, which it is now your turn. So if you just well, hold it, you'll do automatic subdual, or you can do something else. I'm going to try to pin it. Okay. So I'm basically just going to put all my weight onto this thing and just start basically crushing it under my weight and stuff until it gives up. All right. Again, that'll be another strength check versus it. I'm going to have it use dexterity, even though that's not smart for it, but that's just the wild animal. It's just trying to get away. 21. Okay. Yes. So you managed to basically full mount it. So you're, you're like over its waist. You've got both of its arms pinned down. It's like growling and calling out, but for the moment at least, it seems to be unable to get free, and it can't hurt you. I'm then going to start dragging it towards the... I can only move... If I successfully pin it, which I did, yes. then I can move at half my speed. Okay. So again, you're yeah. like basically frog walking it to, towards the cage. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Lander? So how far away is the owlbear from me at this point? I'm going to say 30 feet. 30, okay, perfect. I would like to cast Shatter then. It has a 10-foot radius so that it only incorporates the owlbear. They are... One being? Yeah, they are right not, on top of each other. Not happening then. I'm going to recast Witch Bolt. Okay. 
Roll your attack. Do you want to do the high or low first? I got another 20. <laughs> I swear to God. He did. Okay. All right. High or low? I want to go high again. I'm sticking with it. It is high this time. Yeah. Aha. Nice. I mean, you guys know we're trying to take sell this thing, right? And yeah, that's very important. You guys need to understand this. That this is yeah, cargo that has to be alive. But also, my character sees it wrestling uh, Cranton, and oh, that's fine. My in my head, I need this to save Cranton. With... I just did twenty-seven damage. Okay, Cranton, the Almer goes limp. It is no longer <laughs> resisting you. <laughs> Erevin, you are up. I look over at Lander. I just kind of shake my head. We're going to have to work on the strength of your spells. I think you might have just ruined our job. I was just thinking of Cranton, though. I, 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 I didn't mean to, I didn't mean for that to happen. It just, sometimes I can't control it. I turn and yell to Cranton, can you stand up for a second? As soon as the magic hits this owlbear, I instantly start choking it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't con because I haven't fully learned to control it and be like when the first magic kind of I absorbed it, it just got too hard and now I'm just choking this thing. So I will run down the stairs and I will um I will run up to, to Cranthon and the Owlbear and to get his attention, I will use shocking grasp on Cranthon so that he can tell there's a magic aura right next to him to get his attention and kind of break him out of the trance of killing this owlbear. Okay. Perhaps it is still alive. All right. But, I mean, does he roll an attack, or do you just roll the save? I roll the attack. No, okay. Roll the Go ahead and roll the attack. <laughs> Looks like the luck is on this side of the metal. table. Oh, that's true. Thank God. Because yeah. I rolled I'm a wet. one again. And I'm wet, so like, there's a million reasons why you should have advantage on this. No. But you suck at it. Yeah, I do suck at well, it. Um, it's so a nine. Well, essentially, again, and this is something you've probably done in your experiments, the spell seems to work. It has no effect on him. It, I just want to draw even... his attention. I just yeah. want to use the magical field for him to draw the attention and take it off the eyebar so he kind of snaps out of it, literally. Right. So, Cade, you have to, at this point, have heard something or seen something. What are you doing? Uh, upon hearing Lander yell back in the door, he dropped his seaweed and clam sandwich. It's getting soggy on the floor right now as the rainwater kind of rushes in a little bit. And, uh, yeah. Double wash plants. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> it probably honestly tastes better at this point now. At least it's fresh water. Uh, less salty. It looks down at it, back down at it, and, and kind of like, damn. And then rushes, it rushes out to the door as fast as his little halfling legs will carry him. And, and he stands there, and, and when he gets there, their cargo is having the life choked out of it. Your very expensive Inventive cargo, cargo is having the life choked out of it. And Everin's engaged with Cranthin and and uh, Lander's emotional standing next to the door. He takes a scene in and goes, darn it. Hey, everybody, let's not kill our cargo. Like, I'm uh, trying to break his concentration. A little help would be nice. And so, Cranton, when he gets, like, he hears the spark beside him and turns towards the magic, and he, you see his hands go up to choke you, 
and he starts coming at you and you can see there's no expression on his face or anything, but he's doing everything in his power to gain control of him. And he finally gets control of the mage hound and he, his hands are like shaking where you can tell the body wants to choke you, but, but the mind is like stopping it. So, and he manages to just stand there and then he looks at the owlbear and then he picks it up and throws it in the cage and then he tries to secure the door. Yep. So you uh, you manage to basically just drag it over by the beak and you can just like one arm sort of curl, throw it into the cage, latch it back. It actually looks like the cage was broken. It wasn't just left unlocked. Maybe the owlbear bit through it or something, but it's actually damaged to the point that it won't secure properly. However, before you have time to worry about that, from the left side of the ship, a very bright light, almost like a spotlight, comes on and shines a light straight on the deck. A second later, one from the other side of the ship, same thing, comes on, points right at your ship. And then from behind you, same thing, comes on, points right at the ship. And you sort of turn your gaze, you know, you're probably having to hold up your hands to block out the light. Very, very, very bright. It looks like you've been surrounded on three sides by a ship, a massive ship. And then you see a bit of darkness sort of pass in front of these lights for just a second. And a giant claw grabs your entire ship and picks you up out of the water. And now that you are hooked and lifted from the water like a giant fish of some sort, uh, you can see that this claw is attached to a crane and you are swung over and set down into a into an artificial body of water. It's about twice as big as your ship, so essentially two of your ships could sit side by side in this water, barely. So you have forcibly been brought aboard the Longbeard, Ulfgar's ship. It is easily 20 times the size of your own, and that is just what you can see above the water. Now that you're inside this artificial pool, you can see a contingent of deckhands, all of them dwarves, that are lining up on either side, and they're extending down these gangplanks so that they can board your ship. As the bright lights come on and and the the claws come down and picks us up, uh, he'll curse to himself, thinking something about, of course, now you have to be on time this time. And uh, all right, everybody, uh, play cool. Remember, nothing happened to the cargo. It's perfectly fine. It's all good. They were turning into pelts anyways, weren't they? Owlbear pelts? I, I don't care. We don't care. Everyone's standing next to Cranthon uh, near the cage after he talked, uh, excuse me, after he tossed them in. And uh, as I move to put away my shield from where Cranthon came at me, I will kind of very loosely just kind of smack him on the arm and the elbow. Uh, as I do that, I say, we've got to work on your self-control. And I'll put it back uh, back on my back, and I'll kind of wait for Cade to uh, give us orders on what we're doing with this thing. So are you letting the dwarves board your ship? Do I have a choice? <laughs> Not really, but... She's giving you the illusion of choice. Exactly. Cade will walk over to the gangplank and kind of put one foot up on it and strike a, a Captain Morgan pose and... Welcome aboard to this dark discovery, gentlemen. So the dwarf that's in front is uh, kind of thin for a dwarf. His uh, beard is done in these sort of elaborate braids, and he has essentially like a clipboard with some paper, and he's not even really paying a lot of attention to you as he's 
checking off some sort of checklist about the cargo, and his eyes immediately go to the cages that are against the far side. Finally, he looks up and says, I hope the cargo didn't give you any trouble. Next time we'll bring three. He looks a bit confused, looks down at his paperwork, and then goes, You were supposed to bring three this time. (laughs) That's what I meant, of course. We have three. (laughs) That's a good one. That's why Ofgar likes you so much. You always make him laugh. And that's why we love him. And speaking of which, the captain wants to see you. As soon as you get on board, head over to his quarters. I believe you know the way. And for the rest of you, we actually have a festival that you can join in. By some happenstance, the captain has just recently acquired a contract that he says is going to make us all wealthy. Well, I mean, more wealthy than we already are, of course. But there's a lot of celebration, and you guys are welcome to partake. Have fun, guys. I'll look at you and kind of go, is that... Are we supposed to do this? He'll he'll kind of give you that that look that says you know, both yes and no. But there's more of them than us, so let's just play it out, see how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as the Cranton hears the dwarves talking and sees the spotlights and stuff, he just stands motionless on the deck, and that's all he does. Even through when he's saying, "Oh, you guys can party and all this stuff," because. He doesn't know. He doesn't know who this person is, or if it's safe to, like, if he needs to be a mage hound or what. So, all right, Lander. Well, why don't you uh, come down from there, and and we'll get started uh, to join their crew, whatever this party is that they're having aboard this gigantic new ship of. I'm already ahead of Longbeards. I run off, and I grab uh, Cranthon's hand. Like, come on, don't be so stubborn. And uh, I pull him along, and we go off the ship and try to join the party. I love how you rolled your shoulder like your hand would have moved at all. <laughs> <laughs> I start to follow La- uh, Lander. So- I-, I appreciate the fact that he like follows me because there's no way in hell I could get him to budge otherwise. Oh no, not at all. <laughs> uh, the actually the gangplank kind of like bu- buckles a little bit as you walk along. It's it sinks down almost into like a U shape. Before you get to the other side. I will definitely wait until he's off of it to get on. Good plan. Uh, But you guys are able to get off the ship. Uh, Cade, you probably throw a glance over your shoulder back at your ship. And the the dwarves appear just to be trying to get the owlbear. And there's actually were two eggs. That was the the three Mm -hmm. uh, that you guys had. So it looks like that's all they're doing is basically unloading the cargo as they said they would. On the ship, there are other cranes that are used for for more unloading and loading. So the giant one put you on their ship, but they have smaller ones that are, you know, they're, they're maneuvering the cages to get them off of your ship. You travel, and again, this ship is just, it's just huge. And it's also made out of metal. Uh, it is not a wooden ship. It's, uh, this game doesn't quite have like what you would consider steampunk, but there is definitely some technology advancement more than most games you would experience. So this size of the ship is maybe maybe a little bigger than some other dwarves, but is by no means that unusual for its size. It's very dark inside the interior once you start making your way down. If there's, mul- there's multiple levels. Uh, at some point, you basically get kind of divided off, and uh, Everin, Lander, and uh, Cranthon kind of get diverted towards a general populous area where, the, where there's a party. You can already hear music and laughter and dancing and that going on, and you kind of get uh, drifted off to the side, uh, Cade, to the captain's quarters. Uh, so we're actually going to start with Cade first. 
So you make your way to the captain's quarters. Again, I'm assuming you've been there before. Time or two. Um, so you knock. There's actually a valley that will open the door for you, kind of give you a bow and then uh, step out. And it's actually a singed who you've probably seen as singed before. Uh, this one is probably not one you recognize. You also know it's very common for singed that they have very little opportunity to do anything else. Uh, so they often find their way to ships and become members of the crew because out here the dwarves, they hate the Empire as much as anybody and they don't really care. So uh, it's a singed who opens the door and then waves you in. The captain's quarters is huge. like It's like maybe half as big as your ship itself. And um, as you walk in, he's got his back to you. And what he's facing looks to be like a fish tank, except it's upside down and it has no water in it. But there is a creature inside that does look like a fish and it's kind of moving like you would, you would expect a fish to move, except it's flying. Uh, he seems to be maybe feeding it something. It's kind of hard to tell, but he's kind of, you know, brushing his fingers back and forth. And you can kind of see this creature uh, darting to and fro as if it might be eating something. Uh, the creature is very colorful, uh, greens and blues. And it's got some, they, they don't look like fins like on a fish. They look more like uh, feathers, but they're not exactly that either. Uh, this is definitely something you have not seen before. Just below that, there is a, a table set up with a bunch of drinkware. So basically uh, glasses and you know, uh, quarter mugs of ale, maybe bottles of wine, uh, that, that type of thing. And that is what he's facing when you walk in. As you stand there, probably for a moment longer than decorum would dictate, um, he will turn with a big bright smile and he's holding two mugs clearly empty in his right hand and in his left he has a like a quarter tankard uh, or quarter barrel of some sort of ale of some sort and he's giving you a bright smile and no matter how many times you have met Longbeard and certainly we've established that you have met him in the past seeing a beardless dwarf always is worthy of pause ah uh, captain it's great to see you always a pleasure to see you captain so how have you been as well as any dwarf upon the sea can be. There's no finer place to be than on the sea. At least for me, anyway. He doesn't respond to that, but he gives you a nod, sort of a, a knowing nod. He, uh, he sets down the mug in front of you, pops the cork. It's like a half quarter barrel and starts pouring it. You can smell very strong but very fine ale that he is pouring for you. He uh, fills your glass all the way up. He does the same for him takes a seat in a big comfy chair. The The dwarves have changed very little. It's been a couple hundred years, but for them, that's like one and a half generations. Uh, maybe a little softer than they were when they were digging all the time. Uh, but he sits down kind of with a heavy sigh. <sighs> Tell me, Cade, it's been a while since you and I have spoken. What have you been up to? Yeah, it's been, it's been good. Uh, you know, I've... We spent some time shipping. Um, moved a little bit, a little bit of dark iron. Got a uh, nice, modest sum off of that. Uh, still haven't found, still haven't seen, you know, any signs of the albatross yet. Yes, yes, the albatross. I have been looking for her, as I said I would. Oh, I, I know you would, and if she's out there, I'm sure you'll find her. Now, Cade. We are friends, right? Friends, and I believe I need to tell you that 
you should come to the acceptance that perhaps the albatross has sank. It is certainly unusual that no one has seen her in such a long time. That's true. She may have sank. If no one's seen Lori, have they? In all my time that I have known the albatross, I have never seen those two separated. Of course, the same could have been said for you not that long ago. Guess not. Well, I'm sure if, you know, she shows up, you'll hear about it and pass that along. Yes, yes, and as much as I do enjoy catching up with old friends, I'm afraid business must come first. Now, I don't have my papers in front of me. Could you please remind me of what I owe you for this leg of the journey? And he, he asks you, you know he knows. This is like almost like a game he plays with you. Well, this is a highly trained attack, Albear. And those, uh, those are not cheap. Uh, we had to drop some serious coin to get it here. So, we'll say, I don't know, 25 for him. And the cubs, well, there's three of them, unhatched eggs, and those are just rare. So, let's round it about 7,000. Uh, yes, I, I believe seven does sound about right to me. And it totally does it. Like, that's really weird that he wouldn't, one, that he wouldn't know, and then two, that he wouldn't really try to negotiate at all. However, and he, he kind of leans in a little bit, his, his, his belly just sort of like rests his hand on it, seeing as how I'm about to be extremely wealthy, well, even more extremely wealthy, <laughs> I would like to make you an offer yet again for that metal creature, the mage hound, that you have on board your ship? You know, I've thought about it. I really have. But I... I he's just not mine to sell. He's come kind of part of my crew. But really, it's Lander's. I can't... What? I can't sell it. Oh, Lander. Never much cared for that child. I'm not really sure why you've ever allowed him on your ship to begin with. And you're telling me that he is the one that owns the mage hound? I believe, Captain, that you are pulling my beard. Brings up his hand to where he doesn't have a beard and, and sort of tickles the, his, the front of his chin. But perhaps we can still come to an arrangement. I would be willing to offer you the same amount if you could just explain to me how it is that you have gained control of that mage hound. I'm yeah. a damn good cook, that's how. <laughs> If only that were true. Captain, I've had your seaweed and oyster sandwiches. They are nothing to write home about. <laughs> but, Captain, let us speak of business once again. You know that the Empire is looking for that creature. I see more and more postings about it every day. It is too dangerous for you to keep him aboard your ship. Let him join my crew. I will even take Lander on as well. They will be safer here. The Empire has no hold over me. That's true. I can't sell it to you. Bah, Captain. If I didn't know any better, I would say you were a dwarf, as stubborn as you are. And then he holds out his glass to clink it with you. It's a member of my... Oh, clink, clink the mug with the you. clinks the mugs, and he takes a big drop of his. Uh, he will do the same. As you're drinking from your mug, he continues to drink from his... And you can see just the, the his eyes at the, over the top of the mug staring at you and the barest hint of a smile from around its edges. All right, we're going to cut to the party. Whatever changes have befallen the dwarves from being on the sea, 
It has not changed their liveliness or their fun at parties. So as you enter this large kind of community area, there are dozens, if not hundreds of dwarves that are engrossed in singing, you know, dancing, gambling, fighting. Uh, there's just all kinds of, you know, a flurry of activity. And there's the sort of the hum of all these different chants, different groups have started to maybe try to like out sing each other. And some of the songs are getting quite bawdy. Uh, one thing that you are also noticing is in the corner, there are like uh, games of like manliness that the dwarves are going through. They're having like beard pulling contests, uh, Rochambeau contests. <laughs> They're arm wrestling with each other. And uh, absolutely, there's like this dwarf. I mean, he's maybe a little taller than normal dwarves and his right arm is twice as big as his left arm. Clearly, he's the champion. And uh, as soon as you walk in, his eyes float over to... Uh, Cranthon, and you just have the feeling that, oh, he would love to try his might against the metal man. And there's like a table that's already set up. It's a big round, I mean, it probably looks like a, maybe it's a cut log that's like a super big tree, but it's got this big cloth over it. And there's chairs on either side of it or, you know, like benches of some sort for them to arm wrestle. There's people throwing knives at uh, the wall. There's contests, but they are drinking and spinning before they throw. There's been more than one accident just in the five seconds that you've walked into the room. Erevin, roll me a perception check. 13. Okay, so it takes a few moments for you to sort of absorb everything that's happening. And and as your eyes are, are kind of moving across the room and taking it again all in, you notice a newcomer entering into the uh, community area, not exactly opposite of you, but somewhat to the, like the far back side. And uh, you can instantly tell that this person is an elf, or I should say was. They are clearly a singed. But then after a second glance, you realize that this is actually Ara, the singe that you helped all those years ago. There's a moment where his eyes seem to lock onto yours, but then they flip past without recognition. So would that make me think that he's ashamed or he's busy or what do I see him doing that I could take a beat on kind of uh, what that might mean? He's basically just talking to the people around him. It's possible that maybe he doesn't recognize you. You have, you know, you've changed. You have one less arm. So you're not sure yet. Okay. Well, I will uh, stop Cranthon and Lander, kind of just kind of in the walkway there. I'll look at Lander and tell him, be on your best behavior, Lander. We don't want to offend anybody. And I'll chuckle and look at Cranthon and I'll say, take it easy on the dwarves. They're very prideful. And I'll excuse myself. I'll walk over to their bar. Uh, I'll order a glass of wine. I'm sure I probably get a few grumbles from that, but I'm an elf. And we don't, you know, wine the finer things. When you order the the wine, he'll look at you and he'll take the glass and he'll go <laughs> and rock right in front of you, spit in it, and then pour the wine and hand it to you. <laughs> what a dick. <laughs> I'll take it. It's called a dwarven sidecar. <laughs> I will, uh, I'll take it. I'll swirl it around. And I will finish it in one swig, and I'll look back at him and say, give me another. He gives you another. <laughs> gives it to you. But he I, looks impressed. I mean, he's actually, you're okay in his eyes. 
I think if you do it twice, you're married. <laughs> <laughs> That's three times. Three times. All right, Lander, what are you doing? Lander is just like wide-eyed, struck, never seen such partying and debauchery in his life and is just amazed. And he, he turns towards Cranthon. He's like, Cranthon, have you ever seen such a big party with so much alcohol? Let's go get a drink. Very funny. <laughs> I'm like, I feel like I'm like trying to run, but my feet are moving in place at this point as he's like holding on by a pinky, like hold my, my entire hand. What, what are you doing, Cranthon? I really don't have anything to do in here, so I'm just going to basically stand beside the elf and just because I know all these people don't know. They may not know I'm sentient anyways. Okay. So, so you're kind of I'm just going to walk around with the elf and... Yeah, quipping so shy. Come on, let's go get a tankard of ale or a glass of wine or... And then I just drone on about all <laughs> the different drinks that I've quote-unquote never had in my life. Nice. All right, so uh, so you make your way over to the bar. Um, Cranthon is now standing sort of like between you. So you got Lander on one side, Cranthon, and then you've got um, Ervin on the other. You can order a drink. They're going to give it to you. If you order wine, you get the dwarven sidecar. No, I, I think I'm going to go with a tankard of ale. Okay. He, uh, he laughs kind of heartily, and he pours that, and he kind of looks at you like he squints and as he's, as he's pouring – and you can tell he does like a soft pour. It's definitely not full to the top. And he passes it over to you. And you get the sense he's gauging your strength before he gives you some that, you know, may hit the floor one way or the other. Right. And um, so as you're about to enjoy that, the guy that you saw earlier at the table with like the massive arm comes over. And he looks at you. He's like, hey, is that there yours? I'll look back at Cranton for a second. Yeah. What about it? I've heard he's strong. You've heard he's strong? Yeah. You mean you've never actually seen one of these before? I've never left the ship. Strong really doesn't do him justice. I think I could take him. And I got some gold dragons that say it. He'll clunk a couple on the bar next to you. Tink, tink, tink. I'll smile. And I'll reach into my belt pouch and match what he put up there. So you can hear the clatter of your coins matching his stack. But then you notice that otherwise the bar has fallen, or I should say the, the area has fallen completely silent. And then you, there's like a beat and then just everyone starts just roaring and clapping the table and smashing their mugs of ales together. And I, the entire area is crazy excited to see what's about to happen. He starts twisting his shoulder and kind of, you know, rotating his, getting loose, flexing a little bit. He is pretty ripped. I mean, you know, and his arm, he's definitely a, an arm wrestler almost by trade. He, he's got the twice as big right versus left arm. I'll look at him and say, lead on, and I'll wait a second and turn around to Cranthon, and I'll say, put on a good show. I love how Cranthon's just getting, like... Abused. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and just getting told what to do. He's like, I don't even want to be here. And then he's getting pulled along <laughs> to all these activities. So uh, the dwarf goes and gets his position. He sets down. And he puts his arm up there. And he's he's looking. He's like, he's. So I will kind of take the lead in knowing that most people that don't know how Maychowns work or they have some idea about it, I will keep up that facade. And I will walk over to the arm wrestling bench. 
I'll say, come here, and I'll wait for him to to come over. And he, by now, probably knows kind of the process of what we're doing. So he's not, you know, feels like he's completely being treated like an asshole. Just mostly. Mostly, yeah, not completely. I mean, the, the theory is that you're trying to uh, charade that you control him. Yes. So uh, me being the elf and him being the magehound. Uh, so I'll walk over next to the, the arm wrestling table, bid him to come over. And when he walks over, I'll just say, arm wrestling contest. Do you think he can win? I don't react. So the other thing is, when you call me over, I'm looking at the bar. So what I'm going to do is the upper part of my body is going to turn towards you, and then my legs are going to turn towards you, like real mechanical-like. And then I'm going to walk over towards you, like very like evenly paced and very like robotic almost. And then I'm going to sit down, and I'll put my elbow on the table when you say about the arm wrestling contest. I will tell I will tell him don't hurt him. So uh both I didn't of you hear that part. Actually, <laughs> I'll throw three of you roll me a perception check with disadvantage. I have negative one. That's already a disadvantage. Thirteen. Okay. Five. All right. Cranton? Fourteen. Okay. So you you're basically too tall. Like the other the other side of the bench is made for other dwarves. Uh, so you actually have to like push it out of the way and I guess like kneel down. You put your elbow up on there and your your arm's too long and too tall. So he'll like put his hand in your hand and then the, somebody will come over and they'll like put blocks of wood under his elbow until it's the same height as yours. And he, you know, he wraps his thumb around. He gets a, a grip that you can't feel at all. And he's just got this confident look in his eye. You know, another dwarf will actually get like stand up on the table and kind of waddle over. They'll put their hands o- over both of yours and it'd be like, you know, one, two, three, go. And it steps back. And then what are you doing? Okay. So as soon as he says go, my hand actually starts to go down and I'm starting to lose. Except for when it goes down, it's very controlled and it gets about an inch off the ground. And then my head turns and looks towards my elven master. And then it looks back at the my opponent, and then I just almost rip his arm off and break the table <laughs> as I go the other way. Okay, that doesn't quite go to that. You don't break the table, but you you slam him. I mean, hard, so hard. It splinters the table. No, because the table is actually made of metal underneath the cloth. And that's where you notice this odd sort of humming sensation starts to build. You can't move from the table. It's magnetized and you're stuck. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast, the flagship program of the RPG Academy network. If you enjoy what we do here, then please check out therpgacademy.com and visit our site partners for additional entertainment and gaming advice. We do this out of love for the hobby and for you, our fans. The podcast and site content will always be free for you to enjoy and utilize. But we do have expenses related to the show. If you'd like to help out in any way, please visit patreon.com slash Academy and check out the rewards we are providing for your monthly pledges. 
We use all funds that come in to improve the show and give you better content and quality. And if you don't have the coin to spend, don't worry. You can still help us out in many ways. You can subscribe to our show on iTunes and or Stitcher Radio. You can leave us a five-star review. Also, if you clear your cookies and you visit Amazon or the drive-thru RPG site through our portal, we get a small percentage of what you pay, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Just like any RPG, our site works best with open lines of communication. We love talking with our listeners about everything. Please contact us with any questions, concerns, and comments that you have. We also love to hear feedback and experiences from your own games. You can email us via podcast at therpgacademy.com and reach us on social media, such as Facebook and Google Plus at the RPG Academy. But Twitter is usually the fastest way to reach us. You can find my favorite co-host, the Caleb G, at the Caleb G. And you can find my favorite co-host, Michael, at the RPG Academy. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. Yeah.